Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there. Start now. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Let's Go There with Cheer and Ryan. We're here for you weekdays on Channel Q. Bringing you, of course, the music you love, the news, pop culture, and so much more. And uh, guess what, Ryan? What? I survived. Survived My snorkeling day trip on Saturday. (laughs) Okay, yes, you did say you were going to swim with Nemo for a while. Exactly. We actually did see the orange fish. I saw an orange fish. It reminded me of Nemo's orange? No, I was thinking of Dora. My bad. I don't even know. I can't even keep up with Dory. Not Dora. Dora is an explorer. Um, Dory is a fish. Thank you. Yes, I just wanted to make sure everyone out there is clarified. Um, you're not the only one who did something adventurous this weekend. Okay, yes. Well, you did text me that you were very proud of something. Yeah, I went hiking. I did the most L.A., Los Angeles thing you could ever do. Congratulations. Um, I also threw up in a bush. What? Why? <laughs> well, because I decided to eat leftovers before going, which was such a stupid move. But, you know, you you should eat yeah, of before. And Get I just energy. was really like, okay, um, in the moment. But then I just felt it. I'm not going to tell you what I ate because then you would look and judge me even oh, more. It was a fast food thing. I, no, it wasn't. It was salmon. I ate salmon before going, which I, I should have just saved that for lunch. I don't know what I was doing. But yeah, I threw up everywhere, but it was great. Oh no God. one saw me because the hike was pretty empty. Because if they did, I would have like been embarrassed. Well, I'm happy that was a very positive experience. <laughs> it was. It was really um, outside purging, of that. Literally very purging. It felt like I was on an ayahuasca trip. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I'm happy you're getting your hike on and really getting to know yourself, Ryan. You know, I'm trying, right? I wanted to do something nice. I wanted to do something fun. Me and producer Vanessa hung out this weekend as well. So oh, it was. I wasn't invited. No, because you were snorkeling in yeah, the deep true. blue sea. That's true. You were like being Christopher Columbus. All I'm. Oh, no. I mean, I you were inhabiting cool. someone I else's know. home. That no, is what Christopher I was Columbus not did. Animals. <laughs> That's what Christopher Columbus did. He inhabited someone else's home. At first I was like, yes, an explorer. No, wrong reference. Awful reference. Back it up, back it up. Anyway, we have a lot coming up on the show today. Uh, The CDC chief is sharing a message of impending doom as COVID cases surge. Well, that's great news. We're going to explain what that all means. And this ad airing during the NCAA tournament is naming and shaming lawmakers pushing anti-trans laws. We have the HRC joining us for that at 325 p.m. Pacific, 625 p.m. Eastern. 
But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. All right, let's do it. As I mentioned, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky is warning about COVID-19 cases that are increasing. So President Biden has stepped in sharing this today. Oh, there it is. I'm reiterating my call for every governor, mayor, and local leader to maintain and reinstate the mask mandate. Please, this is not politics. Reinstate the mandate if you let it down. And business should require masks as well. And we're going to be talking more about that with Dr. Amish Dalja, who's from John Hopkins Center for Health Security in 10 minutes. Because I really want to understand what's going on. Is it going to be like what happened in Europe? What do, what can we expect? From well, to be this? honest, it seems like everyone else in the world has it together. It, it no, feels like, no, Australia is already doing tours and festivals again. I mean, Look yes. Look at Canada. Canada's still locked down. Yeah, but no one cares about the top. We're, at, we're I mean, there's, I mean, yeah, we actually, care about like them. The top, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I love a good top. Welcome to Channel um, but Q. I think what's interesting is it just feels like COVID is not going anywhere anytime soon. And I feel like we keep seeing these lights at the end of the tunnel, but the light keeps getting further and further. <laughs> and it's scary even when the CDC uh, chief is saying that she's afraid. I'm like, that's not the messaging I want to hear from you. Of course. But unfortunately, we need that when everyone's out there partying. <sighs> I know. I'd rather her tell us that than lie like Donald Trump did. Yeah, or lie or be complicit like Dr. Deborah Burks, oh, who is her. now speaking out. You know, she was the coronavirus response coordinator for the Trump White House. And her colleagues, they spoke to CNN for a documentary called COVID War, The Pandemic Doctors Speak Out. It aired last night. It showed a pretty damning and intimate view inside Trump's chaotic and conflicted White House when COVID-19 struck. Here's what she had to say. Look at it this way. The first time we have an excuse. There were about 100,000 deaths that came from that original surge. All of the rest of them, in my mind, could have been mitigated or decreased substantially. And that soundbite is what is being shared everywhere today and how that will be the legacy. She's on our press run. No, yeah. it's going to be a legacy also for her as well. I have so much where I'm like really furious with Dr. Burks because she sat there standing behind him and be basically complicit in all of those deaths. And then now she wants to go on a press run and do documentaries like her her thoughts and her what she has to say matters. Where was that in the heat of the moment when you allowed Donald Trump to lie to the American people? Well, yeah. It's really frustrating. That's why she said she regrets that. She should regret it. And she should also lose her license, in my opinion. Okay. Well, uh, words were spoken. I mean, seriously. I think if you're uh, willing to let so many people die, then girl. You're not really doing your job. <laughs> you're not. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay. So if y'all thought um, everyone was freaking out over Little Nas's ex uh, new song, well, he has these new uh, Satan shoes that just oh, took yeah. it up another level. It's time for the T Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So on the heels of his controversial music video, Little Nas X is doubling down on the demonic imagery with um, these new Nike release Satan shoes. He collaborated with an agency called Mischief on a diabolical version of Nike's Airs Max 97. Um, though not, uh, Nike has already released a statement saying that, guess what, we are not a part of this. They've distanced themselves as far as they can. Um, but 
Guess what? Those shoes have sold out. They were super expensive. The shoes featured a pentagram pendant, a holy symbol for pagans, and a promise that the bright red shoes were imbued with a single drop of human blood, and they were selling for $1,018, which is wild. Um, Like I said, I'm going to repeat this. They're sold out now, by the way. They sold out in a minute. Well, how many were they selling? I don't know. Apparently, everyone bought them, Uh, but... So far over the internet, I feel like Little Nas X was like fighting for his life. He was literally defending everything. Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota, which doesn't she have something else to do? She decided to tweet this. Our kids are being told that this kind of uh, product is not only okay, it's exclusive. But do you know what's more exclusive? Their God-given eternal soul. We are in a fight for the soul of our nation. We need to fight hard and we need to fight smart. We have to win. Blah, 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 blah. It's really frustrating. I wish we need to do a uh, actual conversation about why people are really upset about this because I think there's something really there. And so if you want to know more about this, head over to WeirdChannelQ.com and of course, keep the conversation going on LGT Show. I got more Tea Report coming up next hour. Okay, well coming up next on the show, why are COVID-19 cases suddenly surging when numbers were falling with the vaccine? Those answers next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. And I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, so much promise and potential of where we are, and so much reason for hope. But right now, I'm scared. Um, I know what it's like as a physician to stand in that patient room, gowned, gloved, masked, shielded, and to be the last person to touch someone else's loved one because their loved one couldn't be there. I know what it's like when you're the physician, when you're the healthcare provider, and you're worried that you don't have the resources to take care of the patients in front of you. Now, that was CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, who warned of impending doom as COVID-19 cases are surging. Back with us is Dr. Amesha Dalja, who's an infectious diseases uh, doctor and expert. Now, what did you think about that statement? I, th- I think I'm a, I'm a bit puzzled by it because oh. we all we all know that cases are going up and that they were going to go up as people socially interacted. But what we have in our favor is the vaccine, and that's going to really delimit the ability of this virus to be able to put hospitals in crisis again, to lead to widespread hospitalizations and deaths. So I think there's going to be a decoupling of cases with hospitalizations as our high-risk individuals are vaccinated. So I tend to not be as impending doom as she does on this because of uh, the benefits of the vaccine. I do think it's important we tell people that there's still a pandemic going on and the actions they take have real consequences. And we also need to accelerate vaccination to those younger age groups where this is spreading because they're not eligible for the vaccine. And so it's not surprising that you're seeing cases crop up in that group. Yeah. Do you think that some of the states that have kind of completely reopened uh, may have done that too soon? It's not a question of, it's never been a question to me of whether it's too soon or too too late. It's more about, do you do it in a way that is is safe, meaning that people realize that just because things are open doesn't mean it's Mardi Gras, that that you have to actually still continue. If you're an unvaccinated person, particularly, be careful about your contacts, wash your hands a lot, and, and try to avoid the crowded and congregated places. But what's happening is sometimes people just, when things are open, they can't 
risk calculate very well because it's always been kind of on or off through this pandemic. It's never been risk calculation, harm reduction. It's all been one or the other kind of a false dichotomy. And I think that's what leads cases to occur. You're giving people a lot. Like you're, you're giving people like they're that smart to be quite honest. No shade. I, it just, I, I just think about this idea of saying if, a state is saying and their leadership is saying that they're reopened, of course people are going to be like, all right, well, let's go out. Let's get back to normal. They're going to forget about all the mass mandates and all these things. So it, it does feel like it, it, it may be too soon. I think that we know from other parts of public health, from HIV or hepatitis C, injection drug use, substance abuse, that harm reduction works much better than kind of an abstinence-only approach. And I think, I think we learned during this pandemic that when you take this abstinence-only approach, and then you open things up, then people basically assume that that's a green light. And I think we lost an opportunity to teach people how to make good risk calculations the way we do, for example, with, with sexually transmitted infections or with PrEP and HIV. All of that basically has went out the window when it's come to COVID-19. So you do get this on, on or off. So it's not surprising to me that this happens. But I think the, the key to all of this now is the fact that we have this vaccine in our hands. That's the solution. We have to start moving beyond the initial priority groups and getting it into the general population if we're going to get any handle on these cases. But remember, these cases are much different, even if we get a surge from them versus what happened in around Christmas time or Thanksgiving, because there they were linked to high risk individuals getting infected and ending up in the hospital. I don't think that's going to be the same the, the same equation anymore because of where the vaccine has been prioritized. All right. Well, we got to wrap up, but this is uh, really interesting. And thanks again for your insights on this. That was Dr. Amish Dalja, who's an infectious diseases expert. Uh, Have a great day. Coming up on the show, the CDC has also extended eviction bans through June 30th. What that means for renters and landlords next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, Welcome back to the show. And of course, uh, renters will be protected. The CDC officially uh, said that until June 30th, which is a big deal because there was a lot of fear, I think, about uh, renters being kicked out. Uh, The eviction moratorium will be extended until then, and this will protect millions of tenants who have struggled to make their rent payments during the pandemic. And back with us um, is Katie O'Donnell, who's a financial services reporter for Politico. Uh, Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So what are financial regulators doing to make sure renters are protected here? So that's that's an interesting part of this. Um, the CFPB and the uh, FTC, so these are two financial regulators, uh, put out a statement shortly after the CDC extended the ban today saying that they would be basically telling landlords we're keeping an eye on you. Um, their statement essentially said that they're going to be monitoring multi-state landlord companies and private equity firms to make sure that they're not getting around the ban. Um, and that's the ban itself applies to evictions for non-payment of rent, but evictions for other reasons are allowed to proceed. And so there have been these complaints that some landlords are sort of getting around um, the moratorium by claiming, you know, damage or some other reason for an eviction. Um, and so the Biden administration, through its financial regulators today, said, basically, watch out. We're investigating. Yeah, it seems like there was just an extension of Trump's original order, but that has a lot of flaws and and just like kind of loopholes in it. How are they looking to, to fix that, the Biden administration? That's an interesting question. Um, they, they, it is essentially just a, it's a blanket sort of extension. Um, and 
one of the reasons uh, that they did that, at, at least according to my reporting, is that uh, there's there are currently a few, probably six to ten um, court cases, you know, cases that are moving through courts around the country at the moment where landlords are challenging the ban. And I think that at, at some point it became a question of how much can we change the actual ban and still fight in court to preserve it. Um, and so I think that there are legal ramifications if, that they, if they had made sort of substantive changes to the actual policy. Um, but, you know, the way that they sort of tried to, to straddle that line is by having regulators issue this statement saying, you know, we're going to be in, we have staff that is investigating any kind of landlords who are trying to get around this. Yeah. And how are landlords protected through this, too? And, and I guess renters, I know they put aside a chunk of money, but, you know, there's still mortgages that need to be paid. And it seems to be a domino effect here. If you're not going to like go to the source, it's going to continue being an issue for everyone. Exactly. And so Congress They didn't pass their first um, rental aid package until, you know, the big relief package that was passed in December included about $25 billion for rental aid. And then the most recent package included about $22 billion. So there's about $47 billion that Congress, $47 billion that Congress has sort of allocated for rental relief. And it's for the exact reason that you identified, which is that, you know, at a point, if if you're telling landlords, many of whom are mom and pops, you know, there are about half the landlords, uh, half the rental units in the country, I should say, are owned by independent landlords. These are people who might have, you know, invested in a property with three bedrooms and, as part of their sort of retirement plan. Um, and these people, if they're not getting their rent payments, but they, you know, they still have to make property tax payments, mortgage payments. Um, in some cases, operations have, you know, the cost of operations have gone up during the pandemic where there's more cleaning involved. So the rental aid was supposed to help renters pay their back rent in order to keep, you know, landlords solvent and in order to protect um, these tenants who are struggling now due to the crisis, you know, from facing bigger financial issues later in the road. So Katie, we have uh, 30 seconds left. Can you tell us what happens when June 30th comes and people still can't pay their rent? Yeah, that's a that's a big question. Um, basically, um, it you know people could be facing lump sum payments in some cases. It's not like a mortgage where you can modify the terms of the loan. Rent is just you're going to have to pay pay it. Um, and if people do get an eviction filing on their record, that makes it more expensive for them to rent their next place. It makes you know it's a huge hit to their credit. So that's definitely something that policymakers are watching for. Okay, that was Katie O'Donnell, financial services reporter for Politico. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Coming up on the show, Lindsey Graham share the reason why he owns an AR-15. That's next. Lindsey Graham went on Fox News to brag about how he owns an AR-15. I own an AR-15. If there's a natural disaster uh, in South Carolina where the cops can't protect my neighborhood, my house will be the last one that the gang will come to because I can defend myself. Uh, you don't have to have an AR-15, but if you, if you have one lawfully, I think you should be allowed to keep it. Most of these problems have, uh, have a lot to do with mental health. Count me in for addressing that issue. Red flag laws exist in 19 states. There's some things we can do, but at the end of the day, if you think uh, an assault weapons ban is what the country needs, bring it to the floor of the United States Senate and vote on it. 
And of course, that got a lot of responses, specifically him saying that, you know, if something happens and he has his AR-15, no gang is going to touch him or his house. What gang is he talking about? Is he all of a sudden living in, like, the nearest hard, like, neighborhood or something? If that's the case, then, child, let him have him. Because at this point, I honestly feel like he also should walk back in that closet that uh, the AR-15's living in as well. But no shade, you know? It could be one big happy family. It could be one big happy family in that closet. No, but... Lindsey Graham is so annoying. <laughs> the thing is, is like this is an argument made like this the circumstance that is a possible circumstance that hasn't yet happened but could possibly happen. How could I that happen? Be, no, meaning like I want to be ready for this possible imaginary circumstance and I'm willing to sacrifice how many lives to get there for this imagining <laughs> like a, a thing that's in my imagination that could you know, happen in the future that hasn't happened yet. Well, the gall of this guy to think that he's like some type of protector, because if you don't remember when the whole Capitol riots happened, according to Queer T, Senator uh, Sherrod Brown said that he was this guy who was screaming at and accusing a police officer of not doing enough to protect him while he was like cowering in a safe room. My thing is, if he's such a protector, does he need that gun to protect himself? Like, I, it's so weird the the cult like behavior that conservatives have with like guns and AR-15s. It honestly feels like when we're talking about mental health, that's something that they should really be looking into. Because oh, I understand yeah. I'm from the South, people love their guns, but the fact that there are mass murders happening across this country all the time would make you be like, well, maybe. I don't need this weapon of mass destruction and maybe we should have stricter laws. It's for a militia. Yeah, Specifically, it's for an army and it, it, like, we are just not there. And of course, that's the issue is people say, but we could be there and then I want to protect myself. But what's going on right now is that we're at a war with ourselves and each other because of this, right? Uh, And so, of course, a lot of people came out of the woodwork on Twitter making fun of him. Uh, He... Someone said this uh, person, I'm speaking 13 on Twitter. If Lindsey Graham ever encounters a gang, he's effed whether he owns an AR-15 or not. Well, and, and I also think it, because those tweets are funny, but I also think it's there's uh, it's fear tactics that Donald Trump also would do, talking totally. about the suburbs and, and basically, you know, alluding to black and brown people coming and raiding your areas and, you need to protect and giving yourself. you something it's a scared to be about. And it's just like, there's nothing happening to you. And honestly, people don't even care about Lindsey Graham. And just as we wrap things up, uh, Cameron Kasky went on MSNBC. Uh, he's, of course, a Parkland shooting survivor and gun reform advocate. He said the suggestion that someone like Lindsey Graham could be some sort of tough guy fending away apocalyptic invaders is just the narrative they sell. It's what the gun lobby, as you mentioned, Ryan, wants Republicans to say in order to sell more guns. Uh, let us know what you think at LGT Show on social media. We always love to hear from you. Uh, but coming up on the show, uh, the new study that shows no evidence for banning trans women from sports. More details on that next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up, of course, on the T-Report right now, more about Sharon Osbourne, an update. You know, of course, she officially left the show, but the news doesn't end there. So Ryan will be bringing us that in a moment. Uh, But coming up this hour in 15 minutes, actually, HRC is joining us to talk about their new ad calling out Republican state lawmakers and governors pushing anti-trans bills in sports. Uh, So we are really excited to have them on. And also we have some breaking news that we'll be talking about then as well. Uh, But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. 
Uh, it's the first day of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin's murder trial and the death of George Floyd. Prosecutor Jerry Blackwell uh, presented video evidence from the day Floyd was killed that we've all seen too many times, unfortunately. The graphic footage showed Chauvin kneeling on Floyd's neck, and a witness shared that Floyd was not resisting when officers brought him across the street. Meanwhile, Chauvin's uh, defense attorney, Eric Nelson, is blaming his action on the surrounding crowd. There are people across the street. There are cars stopping, people yelling. There are a, There is a growing crowd and what officers perceive to be a threat. They're called names. They're screaming at him, causing the officers to divert their attention from the care of Mr. Floyd to the threat that was growing in front of them. Now, that clip, of course, is being shared everywhere because it feels like a really bad excuse for the actions that were done. Uh, Let's move on to this new study that shows no evidence for banning trans women from sports. It was a paper published in the Journal of Sports Medicine, and it concludes there's no existing research to back up the bans on trans student athletes. The study's lead author, Blair Hamilton, researched transgender athletes at the University of Brighton, and it was published last week, and it concludes that there needs to be, quote, a well-coordinated multidisciplinary international research program backed by appropriate research grant funding in order to produce the necessary evidence to inform objective policy decisions and fairly integrate trans women and intersex athletes into elite female athletics. And ultimately, even the most evidence-based policies will not eliminate differences in sporting performance between athletes. However, any advantage held by a person belonging to an athlete in this category, the researchers said, could be considered part of the athlete's unique individuality, not based on gender at all. And uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so you won't believe how much Sharon Osbourne is being paid to leave the talk. Honestly, it's ridiculous. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So the latest news, the latest and final update, hopefully, of this whole Sharon Osbourne mess. Um, She got a payday up of up to eight figures from CBS as she exited the talk. Let's get more specific, though. According to a source, they said Sharon is walking away with a five to ten million dollar minimum payout and was able to spend that. Um, It was her decision to leave the show. A different source said that under her departure agreement, Osborne is not only getting all this money, but she is free to speak out. Um, The source said she still wants to give her side of the story. She has been on that show for 11 years and knows all of the secrets. Um, This comes last week that Osborne uh, had lawyered up. This news comes out as she had lawyered up and was being represented by a top attorney, uh, entertainment attorney, Jeremiah Reynolds, and that she wasn't going down without a fight and she knows where all the bodies are buried is what she said or what her entertainment lawyer said. So the fact that she's getting five to ten million dollars to leave after the stunt that she pulled. It's called Settlement. Yeah, but it's still not okay. She she was actually in breach of CBS policies. And the fact that they're probably scared because they, she was going to sue them. Oh, yeah. For it defamation still makes also no part. sense. It yep. makes no sense. It really is really upsetting. But that's your T-Report. Keep the conversation going on LGT Show. We got so much more to get into next hour. Okay, now an ad airing during the NCAA tournament uh, is naming and shaming lawmakers pushing anti-trans laws. The HRC joins us for that next. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Human Rights Campaign has begun airing a commercial calling out state lawmakers and Republican governors who are pushing to enact anti-trans legislation this year in uh, in uh, not just in Arkansas, which actually we're going to talk about that breaking news coming up. But the ad made its TV debut this weekend, airing during the NCAA March Madness tournament game. And here's just a clip of that. In a year that has taken a toll on all of us, it is shocking that elected officials across the country are using their time and energy to attack LGBTQ kids, putting even more lives at risk. These bills will only push more trans kids deeper into isolation. Trans kids are kids. They don't deserve this cruelty. Shame, shame, shame. The human rights campaign is responsible for the content of this advertising. Now, that was actually targeted in Arkansas, but there is more news, unfortunately, to come out of the state today. But joining us right now is Ben Needham, who is the Strategic Initiatives Director for HRC. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And thanks for drawing attention to this issue. Yeah, of course. Uh, Tell us about what led to airing this commercial. Yeah, so we are seeing just a... An extremely large number of attacks against uh, the transgender community across the country. And Arkansas um, have a number of bills that have moved through the process. And as of today, the third bill that is reaching the governor's desk that is uh, attacking the transgender community. And we're just saying enough is enough uh, and fighting back. And we wanted our transgender community to understand that HRC has their back and we wanted the governor as well as lawmakers that are introducing these bills and supporting them and voting for them know that there are consequences to their actions for attacking uh, the transgender community as well as the LGBTQ community. Uh, And we fully intend on holding them all accountable um, for these Uh, discriminatory laws that they're um, putting into place in Arkansas. Yeah, I think what's the interesting thing is, has any state Republicans in Arkansas been able to name one single transgender athlete? Not one. Not one. This is a uh, solution to a non-existent problem. Uh, And and they should be ashamed of themselves for uh, passing discriminatory laws. And quite frankly, these are wedge issues for them. This is something where they think that they can energize their base and help them get reelected. And if you go and trace this back, these are all people jockeying for uh, promotions. The governor wants to run for Senate. Uh, at least that's the rumor in the state. And uh, some of the uh, state senators and House members are looking to fill in behind the governor and the attorney general. Uh, and so they're all trying to prove to the base that they have conservative credentials. And the way that they've done this is trying to do it on the back of the transgender community. They've tried this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to do this on the backs of the LGBTQ community. It backfired on them. And I just want to remind the governor of North Carolina HB2. Uh, the governor of North Carolina came out and signed that bill, and he was a one-term governor, uh, and he has not been able to move into a higher office since then. And we fully in, intend on letting the people of Arkansas know that Governor Hutchinson does not have Arkansas values when it comes to the LGBTQ community. Definitely. Now, what type of response did you get from this? Um, we're getting some positive response, especially from the LGBTQ community. They're happy to see 
the human rights campaign fight back uh, and standing up for the LGBTQ community. We don't hear generally from um, the Republicans, but what we have heard uh, is that they think that the ad is unfair. It's an unfair attack on them. Right. and, and so, I mean, we don't hear directly from them, but through the grapevines, we're hearing that, you know, they think it is an unfair attack on them. And we hear that, you know, that the Republicans say, well, we are supportive of the LGBTQ community. We're talking about a hate crimes law. Uh, and I don't know how you can actually say supporting a hate crimes law has been supportive of the LGBTQ community when you're actually passing laws that are discriminatory and laws that are generally geared towards people's fear and leaning into that fear. And we know what happens when people are fearful. They do some things that are hurtful to a community and look to Atlanta around the fear of a community. That's what happens when you have uh, policy driven by fear. You get uh, very violent reactions from the public, and that's what the governor needs to be aware of his actions, and every Republican legislator that voted for these laws need to be um, aware of. Uh, well, thank you for your work and for being here today. Definitely uh, keep us up to date on everything, and you're always welcome back on Channel Q. Can I just do one thing for your voters? The governor um, has HB 1570 that's going to be going to his desk today it was just passed um, in arkansas it is directly attacking trans youth and we need people to call the governor and tell him to veto this um this bill it's hb 1570 call the governor tell him to veto this bill and tell him to stop the attacks on the on the transgender community and the lgbtq community uh thank you that was ben needham the strategic initiatives director for hrc thanks again thank you Coming up on the show, have you got unpaid bills? Why that could potentially lead you to prison? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A comic in Vox.com explained how an unpaid bill can lead to prison. And one of the writers behind it, Kevin Moore, joins us right now to explain how that even goes down. Uh, Moore is the executive director of New Deal America, an organization dedicated to electing progressives to Congress. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. So most Americans have debt, right, or unpaid bills. But at what point can it lead to prison time? Um, you know, it's really easy. Um, most Americans, uh, something like two thirds of them, have a debt that has been sent to a collection agency. And frequently what they will do, um, even for debts as low as like $2, they'll file a lawsuit against you in court. Uh, Frequently people have moved or something. And so what will happen is there will be a court case and a judge will issue a summons uh, to the person who owes money. And then when you don't show up to the court case because you never found out about it in the first place, Uh, the judge will be like, oh, my goodness, this person didn't respect my right to uh, compel them to appear. And then they'll just issue what's called a contempt of court um, warrant. And then you have a warrant out for your arrest that wouldn't have been there if you hadn't owed money. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this just feels like another way to keep black and brown people into the prison system. I wonder how that works when it comes to marginalized communities. Um, Yeah, I think it definitely disproportionately affects black and brown communities. And I touch on that in my article. 
Um, debtors' prisons, uh, this criminalization of poverty, really ramped up uh, in the 60s after President Johnson started the war on crime. Um, and Michelle Alexander, the author of The New Jim Crow, a very influential book, has talked about how, um, you know, this coincided with the rise of mass incarceration. So, yeah, I would definitely say that it is one of the ways in which black and brown people have been kept down, um, not to mention other marginalized groups. Yeah. And why has it seen a resurgence? Um, in terms of a resurgence, um, I would say, you know, it really got going in the 70s. Um, and as I uh, say in my comic, you know, uh, when you consider that African-Americans um, have far fewer, far less wealth uh, than white people, it becomes a very potent attack vector on that community. And, you know, then you can say, oh, there's nothing racial about it. It's, you know, they're just poor. Um, but if you consider systemically the differences, right. uh, I'd say it becomes pretty stark. Yeah, I do wonder, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we literally talked about evictions earlier in the show today, How do, is there any protections that are happening to people who are going through, you know, I mean, job loss, can't pay their bills? Is this still kind of going on right now for families across the country? Um, yes, this is going on. Um, it's really hard to get data on this. Um, yeah. There's... The ACLU put out a few reports on this over the last few years. And one thing that, like, everybody who looks into this notes is that states don't do a great job of tracking the data about this, probably because the data is so bad, you know, um, that they don't want to help shine a light on it. Um, so I don't really have any recent data on, like, the last year or two. Um, but one thing I would note uh, is that there probably has been something of a slackening uh, since they've been releasing people earlier due to COVID. Um, and then the rent moratoriums that have happened in some places, uh, I would imagine it's slackened a bit. But I would also predict that it's going to get much worse mm -hmm. once all of these protections are out of place uh, because everybody still owes all the money um, U.S. household debt has been trending near its all-time high uh, for the last two or three years. So I don't think that this problem is going to go away yeah. without us addressing it. So as we have 30 seconds more. What do people do if they find themselves in this situation? If you can at all, uh, I would say lawyer up. Uh, that's what if you really can't afford a lawyer? To do. <laughs> yep. That's uh, the giant trap of the system. And uh, we need to work on creating better safety nets around all of us. All right. That was Kevin Moore, an ex executive director of New Deal America. Thanks again for being here. Coming up on the show, how vaccination status updates are taking over dating apps. Is Vax for Vax the new status update? That's so weird. Well, that's next. All right. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It was uh, bound to happen, sharing your vaccine status on your dating profile. Uh, some people are putting vaccinated or vaxxed or vax for vax. 
How do you all feel about this? Well, we got the two singles here, our resident singles. The two singles? Am I like, uh, like I don't know, am I living on my own planet or something? <laughs> yeah, the single planet. Like, wow, you made me sound like I had like leprosy or something. <laughs> <laughs> like I had a disease. Well, I can be touched. What are you seeing out there in the wilderness? Um, I'm not, I haven't seen Vax for Vax yet. I've only seen, um, like people saying, oh, I've been vaccinated recently, which I do think is important to say. Mm-hmm. I've even had a conversation with a guy who told me he wasn't going to get a vaccine, but he's just like, I'm like, okay, well, I respect you got to do whatever you want to do course. for yourself. Like I'm about to do all that judgy stuff. Um, but what I do think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I was talking with a friend and they were like, well, what's going to happen? Is there going to be some new sort of like weird segregation when everything really opens up? Like, are movie theaters going to be like only this is a vaccine movie theater? Like, people who have the vaccination can only go in this theater? Are airplanes only going to have like vaccinated air like flights? Like, what are we going to see here? Or enter at your own risk? Yeah, right. It's, it's really interesting. I think it is. I'm on this article. I talked about how you know Grinder and the Advocate and the stigma around these things and kind of relating it to saying on your bio or status HIV negative or STD free. Uh, And the author said it reveals a lack of basic scientific understanding as the HIV and STD statuses expire the minute you have sex with someone. And similarly, a COVID negative status expires when you come in contact with others. And even how this person found some profiles that say half vaxxed, which we know what that means. I mean, that means you just got the first vaccination and not the second one. But does that change who you want to date if they aren't going to get the vaccine, if they put this on their profile? I mean, mm. Vanessa's been dating, not to call her out or anything. She always loves tell, love telling everybody else's business and never letting them tell their own business. But yes, Vanessa. It's the entryway for you to jump on the mic and share. The to opening. be honest, if people are getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated, I'm looking for love. <laughs> In all the right places. If you are getting vaccinated, good for you. I will too. If you're not vaccinated, I'm sure you will. That's really? it. What? Maybe if not. Why would they change their mind? If you're not getting vaccinated, I will be vaccinated. That's Here, the only thing that matters. Here's the thing for me. I okay. think once someone told, like, once that guy kind of told me he wasn't going to get vaccinated, yes. I was like, mm, I don't think we align, but maybe we could have sex. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> No, but here's the thing. The I, I do know the only thing that really matters is the guy that, you know, I'm kind of consistently doing things with. He got vaccinated, so I'm kind of okay with that, right? But as the, I am trying to, and we did say we were going to open up the, the world to to me in a way, if you are a listener and you're interested oh, in giveaway. me, the giveaway. I do. I would like you to be vaccinated. I would, right? Just for the safety of us and the safety for everyone. But even if you're vaccinated, you want to know if they're hanging out with a lot of other people. Oh my God, speaking of, someone uh, just hit me up on Grindr. Oh, there you go. (laughs) What does their status say right now? I have no clue if he's vaccinated or not. Let's go through all the profiles. It just was a howdy, mister, is what I got. Okay, so say vax for vax. (laughs) See what he says. Oh, God, can we please stop this? I hate this. Let us know uh, what you think. Are you going to be revealing if you're vaccinated to uh, possible lovers or your friends or family? Let us know at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Coming up on the show, more reasons to love Lyft, how they're looking to support the transgender community. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Coming up, of course, in the T-Report... 
SNL's powerful statement against the Asian American hate. Uh, plus, this hour, a career coach is joining us to share the best tactics for post-COVID-19 growth. That's in 30 minutes because a lot of us are trying to get out, back out into the workforce. What you should be doing, what you should not be doing. We are here to help. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Federal prosecutors have added sex trafficking charges against Jelaine Maxwell. That's today. Uh, saying the British socialite helped procure a fourth underage girl for the late financier Jeffrey Epstein to sexually abuse. An amended indictment against Maxwell now covers alleged crimes from 1994 to 2004 in New York and Florida, including accusations that she paid the girl who's known as Minor Victim 4. I feel like I should change the song because I just yeah. realized we're playing promiscuous girl while we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's what I just thought about. It. I was like, yeah, I mean, gross. Let's just, there we go. Redo. <laughs> well, uh, going back to the story, hundreds of dollars were uh, given for each sexual act with Epstein. She was all part of this. Maxwell she sure was. was Epstein's longtime associate and former girlfriend. She faces new charges of sex trafficking conspiracy and sex trafficking of a minor in the eight-count indictment, as well as earlier charges that include perjury because, guess what? She had previously pleaded not guilty. And uh, she has been held in a jail in Brooklyn since her arrest last July. So that's a little update on that drama. I mean, yeah. To be honest, I I was... When I think about this case, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to end up literally kind of how Jeffrey Epstein. But I feel like they made sure that nothing sketch could have happened in this in the moment of like her, like her possibly trying to kill herself or anything like that or whatever happened to Jeffrey because we still don't know. Yeah. And so I just think this story is so wild and I, I'm I'm happy she's finally being charged with something because I do believe she was really a part of recruiting uh-huh. and grooming all of those unfortunately young girls. Well, it seems like it. They've got the evidence. Well, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Have you seen the Netflix documentary? No, because you know what? I'm not going to really subject myself to I agree. it. I don't want to watch it. To- I just, you know what? That and the Woody Allen one. I could like, do it. I'm not yeah, going to do what's that. what's the point? Why? You, I just we don't understand. Know. Yeah, and, and it's also one of those things it's like, I get those like the stories and the importance kind of of those stories, but also glamorizing it in a Hollywood s type of way. Like I don't really need to know about it, but I do think it's it's important for archival kind of like documentary oh, yeah. stuff to have that information there, especially deep dives. But I don't, I'm not watching it. Well, I think also the hope is when someone does this that it just continues to expose these people, including if they still have careers. Yeah, true. But I mean, at the the end of the day, it seems like Woody Allen, I mean, Jeffrey can't do nothing because he in the ground. But Woody Allen, um, I feel like at the end of the day, he's still going to somewhat have some weird career. Yeah, I don't know. What's on his eyes? <laughs> that's not like, like, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it really Woody Allen not having a Woody career. Woody Allen IMDb. Okay, well, that loads. Uh, let's talk about something we're celebrating, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, the Human Rights Campaign Foundation announced a partnership between its Transgender Justice Initiative and Lyft. Of course, you know, the, the app that provides drives to y'all uh, to provide free transportation to transgender and non-binary individuals in need. This is so cool. It's an initiative that was launched in an effort to help address the epidemic of violence against the black and brown transgender community and more reason to love the app Lyft who continues to do great stuff in the face of social justice. 
And that was What's Trending This Hour, What's Happening in Entertainment News, Ryan. So SNL had some pretty funny moments. I'm not going to lie to you this past Saturday. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was really good. And I think even Saturday Night Live, the cast member Bowen Yang, if you're not familiar with him, um, he's really great. Uh, he oh, took yeah. over Weekend Update to give a very powerful message to take a stand against Asian American hate. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. And so here is a moment from um, the Weekend Update where he's really, you know, there were some jokes in the beginning of his moment, but then he kind of got really serious. Here's what he had to say. In Mandarin, there's a cheer that goes, which basically means fuel up. I don't know what's helpful to say to everyone, but that's what I say to myself. Fuel up, do more. It's the year of the metal ox, which basically means a car. So everyone get in, buckle up. It's no pee breaks. We ride it down. So... In this moment uh, where he's talking, I, it's actually really funny because I think what's ironic uh -huh. is oftentimes uh, people have kind of labeled Bowen as like, unfortunately, this token um, in the space. And it's even more, he kind of set up uh, Colin Jost by, uh, he had him introduce him as the Asian American cast member. And he was like, wait, is that how you uh, want to introduce me? He was like, "That Colin was like, that's how you told me to introduce you. And he was like, yeah, yeah I set your ass up. It felt good. <laughs> Yeah. So like that was like really yeah. a funny moment. Um, but I, I do think he's doing some amazing things on the show. And I, I want them to use him more often. I know he's a new cast member, but they should really use him a lot. I listen to his podcast, uh, Las Culturistas, and it's really, really funny. Yeah, I, I, I watch SNL here and there. And he's featured a lot also because he is LGBTQ and he just represents that, that voice also on yeah, the show, yeah. which is really needed. It's the reason why I feel like they've been able to take on... Uh, jokes in this space and like they're actually relevant because you have someone who's in the community making those jokes and poking fun at the of, at his own experience uh, but yeah I think he's a rising star and he's killing it on SNL right now he really is so if you want to watch his full on uh, moment on Weekend Update head over to wearechannelq.com and of course keep us followed at LGT Show if you want to make any comment about what you've heard on the show today that is the way you do it and that's the way you find me and Shira's handles mm -hmm. to make sure you keep the conversation going so, I'm done with the T-Report. Okay. I got more coming up next hour. Well, uh, next up on the show, how TikTok is making consent sexy again. We'll explain what that all means next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Consent is cool, but it's also necessary. Just make sure everyone is down and everybody's having a great time. It's ongoing. It's ongoing. Anyone could change your mind at any time. You gotta comply. No, it doesn't kill the mood just to ask them how they're doing. Yeah, that's a bop. That was a song about consent from TikTok user Heb on the web. We think we, you can't fit a lot of important content in 15 to 30 seconds, but these videos prove you can, and they're changing how we look at consent for this next generation. Stephanie Gerlich is back with us, a sex and relationships-focused uh, kink-affirming therapist, author of The Leather Couch, clinical practice with kinky clients. Thanks again for being here. So excited. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, how do we see social media platforms and even this younger generation bringing awareness to important issues like consent this day and age? I love this. They are filling such an important gap because there is 
so little sex education offered in classrooms and in schools these days that kids are taking messages and providers like me are taking these messages to platforms like TikTok and they're creating these lovely little soundbite level videos that give one important concept at a time. I think it's fabulous. Yeah, I guess what were some of the blind spots when it comes to consent, right? I think that's important to kind of touch on. So it's important to understand that only 29 states mandate any kind of sex education at all, and none of them require a conversation about consent. Actually, only 22 of them even require that sex ed be scientifically accurate. (laughs) So the blind spot around consent is ginormous. Wow. Yeah, and I guess, and I feel like marginalized groups understand the definition of success, uh, uh, success, consent, but it feels like there's the group that maybe have, has, had power typically that you need to explain this to. So can you explain and define consent? I love that. Consent is freely given. It's enthusiastic and it's ongoing. So it starts with a yes and not a please, baby, please, if you loved me, you would level yes, but a yeah, I can't wait. I am down for this level. Yes. It is voluntary, it is enthusiastic, and it is consistent over the course of the encounter. People can revoke consent at any time. A yes given at the beginning is not a yes if they change their mind midway through, and a lot of people forget about that. Now, why does it still remain something that uh, people bring up is confusing? And once again, I feel like the people that bring this up, not going to generalize it, but it's the people that didn't understand that to begin with. So a lot of it is socialization, right? I mean, we have, as you mentioned, we have groups that are taught to be entitled and we have groups that are taught to be accommodating. Mm. And one of the ways that that breaks down often is along um, more of a traditional gender binary where people that present as male assume that sexual prowess and sexual conquest is uh, representative of who they are and people that present as female are taught that in order to build up our partners we have to accommodate them so should consent only be looked at through a sexual lens no consent applies to everything i taught my kids when they were little bitty the phrase respect my stops and it applied across the board. If we were playing, if we were running around in the yard, if somebody, if one of them was tickling the other one and they said stop, that meant stop. So I think that in a lot of ways, whether it's playful banter, whether it's flirting, whether it's bullying, or whether it's sex, stop and no should be considered sacred. Agreed. I think that's so amazing that you're teaching your kids that because I know I was not taught that. And only recently did I, to be honest, start figuring out how to set those boundaries. What advice do you have for folks who are just learning how to bring that up in conversation? So I think the most important way is to recognize when you're making assumptions and correct yourself. So if you see a friend and you start to go in for a hug because you've always assumed that hugs are great, pause and go, hey, can I give you a hug? Mm, Yep, 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 yep. That's a good one. The little things, the little things. And when you start to recognize where your assumptions are and turn those assumptions into questions, you're creating a pattern of consent seeking that then will carry over into your bedroom behaviors as well. 
Okay. Love oh, that. I wanted to know how the other side uh, creates their boundaries. Now. But yeah. go follow Stephanie Gerlich on social media because she's got everything. She's a sex and relationship focused kink forming therapist, author of The Leather Couch. So good. Mental practice with kinky clients. Thanks again, as always, for being here. Anytime, guys. Coming up on the show, a career coach joins us now uh, to share how to level up in the job market post-COVID-19. We'll be back in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. With the job market changing over the past year and a ton of people losing jobs, how do you motivate yourself after a job loss and legit trauma? Well, Deborah Wheatman is with us, founder and president of Careers Done Right, a professional marketing and branding company. Uh, Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, one of the first things that was mentioned in this uh, article, in uh, I just want to make sure people know where it is. Oh, in nypost.com. Yeah. uh, Was to grieve first. Why is that important? Well, when you lose a job or, or something happens, like a major event, like a pandemic, for example, um, there people do go through a process. There is a part of your life that has sort of been changed irrevocably. And that change results in feelings, and some people get depressed, everybody copes in different ways. So for some of us, there is a grieving process. It's almost like you, you've lost something. And yeah. how do you get that back? Sometimes you can't. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess they did lose something else, a job. But I, I, I do think um, it can be really difficult, especially when it was unexpected. And so, like, how do you kind of navigate coming and moving past that? Um, and then also being like, okay, well, I have bills to pay. I kind of got to jump back into this thing. Like, where do you find that motivation? So, you know, some, you have to look internally. You also have to look externally, right? Maybe it's time to look at building your skills a little bit more and keeping yourself busy. The workplace is changing, and it's going to continue to change and evolve and transform. So what do you do to get yourself out there and, and keep yourself marketable and motivated? Getting new skills, attending a class, that gets you out there. It gets you engaged and, and helps your brain to think and process things and really understand maybe where you have shortfalls and maybe where you can bridge the gap between your skills and what the market is looking for. Yeah. And mentorship is brought up a lot, having advisors. But I know even a question I get asked a lot when I'm in spaces like Clubhouse or an event where we're talking about this is, how do you even find an advisor or mentor? You know, it's not that difficult. Advisors and mentors, no. you know, whatever you want to call them, they, they come from different places. A mentor is typically someone that maybe is in your organization that, or could be external, that you don't directly report to. You can go to with different issues or situations, and they'll give you practical advice, right? An advisor similarly can guide you and provide you with a level of understanding or advice that will help propel you into the future. And not give you the skills necessarily, but give you things to think about that can help you build your skills. Yeah, but how do you find that if you're not at an organization anymore? You know, you can go to your network. So go to your friends, see who they know, see 
who they can introduce you to that might be able to serve as a network. There are also plenty of professional networking sites, and they do these things um, for free. So you can actually find some things online where people will devote their time to providing this sort of assistance and guidance. Yeah, all my friends lost their jobs, so I don't think they got much of a network. But I do think about this, the patience that comes with the interviewing process. How... Uh, important is having that patience because obviously interviewing can be very, uh, uh, it can take a lot of energy. And so like, if you don't get it immediately, talk about that importance for patients. You must be patient. Um, You have to find a place where you're getting comfortable in your discomfort. It does take a long time. I had a client recently who went on 17 interviews, 17. Um, And you really do. Yep. It was crazy. You need to find a place where you can just move ahead with purpose and try to put that out of your mind and do other things that inspire you, whether that's personally or professionally or a combination thereof, because it will it can drive you crazy if you spend all of your time obsessing over the interview or the coming interviews, the interviews that you're expecting to have. It's just not a healthy thing. So you need to find a diversion. And now finally, 30 seconds, uh, tips for Zoom interviews. Anything people need to know? Yes, get dressed fully, number one. Um, Number two, make sure, yeah, get dressed. Don't just get the top going. Put the bottoms on, please. Um, Get some good lighting. Be in an area where it's quiet or as quiet as possible um, with little distractions. Not a ton of things, pictures, tchotchkes behind you. Keep it as professional as possible so that the interview can be focused on you and what you bring and not the things in the room that maybe will cause people to look around and not be as focused as they could be. Yeah, that's true. That was Deborah Wheatman, founder and president of Careers Done Right. Thanks so much for being here. Now, a new study from Google is revealing the sexiest bald man alive who made the list and who should be on top of that list. We're going to be debating that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Prince William has been named the sexiest bald man on the planet, according to this new study using Google. Prince William's not even that bald. I mean, he's bald, but he's not like a full bald man. No, seriously, record scratch. I'm sorry. That hurt my ear. I don't care. You know you're elderly. Um, there's a pro- There's an issue here. There is a major issue here when they said Prince William is the sexiest man alive. Is that just a PR stunt at this point? Yeah, maybe this is what the firm is doing to get more likes again. This is bad. To distract this is really, from the other news. Really bad. Let's make him the sexiest bald man alive. Out of forget all the bald men, possibly racist. Does he even count? Like you said, he's balding. Yeah, He's not even fully bald. The difference between balding and bald. Who are your top two bald men? Can you think of them off your top of your head? Well, now the list is in front of me, so it's hard to. Oh, think so you're of them cheating. Okay, Vanessa, I'm going to you because I you... would say wait a. Oh yeah, should I say? Or the Rock would have been top. <laughs> I was okay. gonna say the Rock. Okay. Oh, and then you. us, I was gonna say the bartender I dated last. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we have learned so much about Vanessa today. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe y'all sat up here and forgot the Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci is so sexy. Stanley Tucci is bold? Yes, uh, he is so sexy. Devils were oh, a Prada. Yes. I mean, yeah. honestly, 
that is the type of bald man. He has this great new CNN series where he's exploring Italy and he's trying new foods. <gasps> I mean, in my mouth. I would actually... The food. Not okay. Stanley. I mean, maybe Stanley, but also. I would actually say, top of my list, actually, The Rock is one of those people that's really hot, but you can't really imagine like doing it with him. Why not? Because you, you're he afraid of getting... too big. Also, you're afraid of being like, it's like a claustrophobic room. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to be smothered to death. Just like, I don't know what to do with all this. But he has he has a child. I think he has a healthy sex no, I life. Know. And actually, there has to be positions. His wife I went to college with, but that's a whole other story. Oh, wow. Jason Statham, though, I think is one of those accessible ball types. Jason who? Who's like, Jason Statham. He did all those Stay- um, those action movies. Uh-huh. Jason State, he is hideous here. Really? Actually, he took my number back in the day when I was doing (laughs) (laughs) He got my number after a press junket. Listen to this. Referenced a, um, some sort of movie from like back in the day he had used to research for this role and sent me a DVD at the time of the movie. And then we talked on the phone a few times. His wife is gorgeous though. He has a type. Clearly, were you blonde back then or were you brunette? I was a brunette. Okay. His his wife is Rosie Huntington-Whitley. Okay. So she's hot. I mean, she's a, uh, a, I think she was a Victoria's Secret model for a while. But um, can, can we talk about how they came up with this? Yeah. So this um, cosmetic surgery specialist, Longevita, who obviously needs some promotion. Is that a prep subscription? Longevita. It sounds like that's like Truvada. Uh, they that's conducted prep. the study by searching for how many times uh, the royal Prince William has been called sexy in various online blogs and articles around the internet. No one has said the that. The result was a whopping 17.6 million times. Once again, I think... The over Royal- the rock? I, Are y'all no, smoking no, the, crack? Prince William. I know, over the rock. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would understand the rock being wholeheartedly the number so, one sex man. This is like top, top, which makes me feel like this was all crafted by uh, the royal family and the firm. Prince William, 17.6 million searches. Mike Tyson came in at numbers. Mike Tyson, the one that bit the ear? He's a hot baldy. No, he's not. Then, this is actually not surprising. Pitbull. Okay, now look. Is is after Jason Statham. Michael Jordan, Floyd Mayweather. There's, There's just so many younger hot guys who are deserving to be at the top of that list. Who's bald who's young? Um... That's actually a really good question. Think about it. Let us know at LGT Show. Yeah, who's bald? Social media. And who do you think should have won the best bald man of the world of the year? Not Prince William. Yeah. Ew. That is so offensive. Now, coming up on the show in Nevada, Congresswoman has come out as pansexual. More details on that next on What's Training This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back and uh, coming up, what Meghan Markle's dad wants from Oprah. That's coming up in uh, Ryan's Tea Reports. Yeah, and also, in our Yes Queen later this hour, we're going to have a major debate for you. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a karma debate. You know, folks I hear love to hear us debating each other. They like drive to the side of the road just to listen. We've heard that once and Sheer will not stop repeating it. He, we've literally heard that one time and Sheer acts like every listener is just pulling over. They're not doing 70 anymore and they're taking a hard left turn to the side of the road. Like, I gotta hear this conversation. I, I don't know who else is doing that. Plus, in 30 minutes, HRC joins us to talk about this new ad that they aired during the NCAA tournament this weekend. Naming and shaming lawmakers pushing anti-trans lots. That's this hour. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour because this is good. Donald Trump spoke at a wedding this weekend at Mar-a-Lago. Does he not leave? Is he like just forever? He just lives in Mar-a-Lago. I don't know. I felt like he lived underground where all the other groundhogs live. Okay. Well, 
he got on the mic to say a few words for a happy couple, uh, John and Megan Arrigo, but the speech didn't really have anything to do with the uh, newlyweds. You know, I just got, I turned off the news, I get all these flash reports and they're telling me about the border, they're telling me about China, they're telling me about Iran. How are we doing with Iran? How do you like that? Well, they weren't ready to make a deal, they would have done anything, they would have done anything. And this guy goes and drops the sanctions and then he says, we'd love to negotiate now. We're not dealing with the United States anymore. Oh, no, they don't want to deal with us. And China, the same thing, they never treated us that way, right? Well, that wasn't awkward or anything. Yeah, I mean, it was a, like a literal like three-minute clip um, of him just going on a whole thing, hijacking this beautiful wedding, even though I doubt it was beautiful if Donald Trump was on the list. That was their uh, big guess. Unless he just shows up and then someone call the police. He just shows up in his tux. Yeah, because like who just crashes a wedding? What does he think? He's like, what's that guy the that president? wedding crashers? No, the movie, the wedding crashers. Oh, yes, Will Ferrell's in that? No, that's, that's Step Brothers. <laughs> Wrong movie. Can we just quickly, before we wrap this up, Vanessa had a hot take on that clip. I love what hot take? Saying, go on the mic and oh give us your hot take. I just said my hot take th- is that he thinks he's a comedian, but he's so terrible. Was that it? Yeah, that's, that's it. what I said. She kept going, he he thinks he's a comedian. And he's not. You're not funny, Donald Trump. He does. He does tend to do that. Thank you so much for that pressing hot take. Before we go to the T-Report, I just want to give a shout out. This is an early Yaz Queen to Nevada State Assemblywoman Sarah Peters, who uh, came out on the Nevada State House uh, floor and announced she was pansexual. And she's been a Democrat uh, since in the district and in Reno since 2018. And uh, she came out as bisexual to her family years before. But this is the first time she'd spoken publicly about her pansexuality in support of the uh, state's equal rights amendment to reveal that she is a pansexual woman. So congrats to Sarah Peters. Love that. Uh, Speaking of pansexual, Demi Lovato is also, she identifies as pansexual. She came out, I think, recently and she made the joke that she's a part of the Alphabet Club. Which, awful. Um, Anyway, moving on to the tea report. Meghan Markle's dad now wants an interview with Oprah. Do we seriously think this is going to happen? It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Meghan Markle's father personally delivered a letter to Oprah Winfrey, offering up his side of the story. This guy drove to Oprah's estate in Montecito, California Thursday, drove up to her front door where he was photographed handing a security guard a personal note offering himself up for an exclusive interview. When I tell you I would have called the police on that man and said, get this crazy person off of my lawn, like what is happening here? How crazy is this dude? It's so strange. It's like he's that thirsty for the spotlight. You're going on the British television, you know, bad-mouthing your daughter, and now you want to give your side of the story? You're not a princess. I'm sorry that didn't happen for you. Get over it and go back to the trailer. Oh, Seriously. Yeah, I mean, Oprah Winfrey's not going to interview this guy, let's be clear. Just because uh, he has a hot take doesn't mean... Uh, or he's a father of a known person, does not mean he gets to have a high-profile interview with one of the world's best interviewers. What type of father is he, though? Like, I would, how would you hate... Thirsty. Imagine your mom or my mom, you blow up, and they're doing side interviews getting money, and they're talking about you, not even talking with you about the interview, they're just talking about you. It's just disgusting, and honestly... 
I hope no one gives this guy any more attention, even though I just gave him some attention, but whatever. I just wanted to cuss him out a little bit. So that's your tea report. If you want to know any of the stories and read any of the stories that I have covered today, head over to our website at wearechannelq.com. Also, by the way, we have a newsletter. WeAreChannelQ.com, you can find all of that. Sign up for it because you'll get every little bit from every show literally on Channel Q. So it's really nice. Weekly updates. To your email. Who knew? 2021, we're still doing newsletters. It's really great. It works. (laughs) Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Imagine you're working at a Goodwill, okay, going through a pile of donations and you find a wad of cash. That's exactly what happened to Andrea Lessing at the Goodwill in Norman, Oklahoma. She's a recently hired employee who found $42,000 in bills wrapped inside two sweaters. It's the largest amount of cash found in Oklahoma Goodwill history. And... um, At first, she thought it was a bunch of books, but then upon further inspection, she saw, okay, no, this is cash. Why doesn't stuff like this happen to me? I hate, I'm not trying to make Yes Queen about me, Mm -hmm. but why doesn't that happen to me? Why don't I go to an ATM and find a million dollars in my bank account by accident? Why don't I find $42,000? We, me and producer Vanessa went thrifting to the flea market this weekend. How come we didn't find $72,000 in a shoe? Because it's being gifted to or rewarded to people who are doing good, like working at a Goodwill. Screw that. I do good. Not just buying. I do good. (laughs) Well, Goodwill was able to track down the owner of the money because of some documents that came with the donation. And the donor immediately told Lessing's Goodwill supervisor to give her $1,000 of the money as a reward. That's it? (laughs) They couldn't give him like at least five? What else are they going to do with $42,000? I don't know. What was that? What do you, why did that person have $42,000 in cash? Just in, in the a, stuff. I wonder, was the sweater cute? There's so many questions. Right? It's like, you know. Uh, I would this not is have what, said a word. <laughs> Who the, says something? That is so stupid. Well, because that would have been on her conscience. No, like, it wouldn't forever. have. She would have spent her conscience in $42,000. I would have never said anything. Is that, that doesn't make me a bad person. Does it? Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. I doubt it. Let me know at LGT Show would y'all have kept that money and not said a word in the middle of a pandemic. Well, she said, I just want to say thank you because he was a blessing because she said getting that $1,000. I thought I blessed him, but he turned right around and blessed me. No one else did. He restored my faith that there are really good people out there even through this pandemic. We don't know their situation, so it's better to just be kind. Look at that. Screw this story. Words of advice for everyone, including for Ryan. No! (laughs) Are you kidding me? No one would have missed that $42,000 if she would have put that stuff in her purse and bought that uh, sweater God for like $2. God would have known. The good place would have known or the bad God place. God was giving her a blessing and said, and God said this. It was a test. I will never give you another thing. It was a moral. I will never give you another thing because how you messed up that bad. It was a moral and ethical test that she you would have up. failed. Andrea Lessing, you made a bad decision. Okay, that, you got a thousand dollars. What does that go do? That does it for our Yes Queen of the day and our show today. I don't today. think I want to say Yes Queen to her. I'm actually really upset. <laughs> well, you know, you suck say. it up. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're back weekdays, two to six p.m. Pacific, five to nine p.m. Eastern on Channel Q. I'm so excited. We have Senator Paul Strauss joining us to talk about DC statehood, and he has a lot to say about that tomorrow. Plus, the new ruling that could let the suspect in George Floyd's killing. 
go free. We're continuing to cover the trial right here on Let's Go There. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So just go to the radio.com app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There and subscribe to our podcast. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And now stick around for Love Line when Dr. Chris is covering uh, a lot of stuff, including uh, he has a special guest tonight. Jesse May Peluso from the Sharp Tongue Podcast is joining him for a Q&A about, what do you think, sex. That's next. Bye, y'all.